A well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state. The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Or maybe I should say the ride of the people to keep and bear arms should not be infringed. Since uh, on today's program, we are talking with uh, Charlie Cook of Riding Shotgun with Charlie. You got to flip up the beard a little bit so uh, you can get the logo in. Uh, Charlie, you know, does a fantastic show. Um, I'm going to let him explain it to you in just a minute if you haven't seen it before. But uh, I was honored that when uh, Charlie was near Farmville not too long ago, uh, he stopped off. I was able to climb into the passenger seat and go for a ride myself with uh, Charlie. Uh, So we're going to talk with Charlie Cook about this program. But we're also going to talk with Charlie about what life is like as a Massachusetts gun owner these days. Uh, because Charlie is getting his uh, activism on in defense of our right to keep and bear arms. Before we get to that uh, conversation, in today's turbulent times, you need to gather tools that allow you to defend your family in the way of life that you know and love. My friends over at Pickett's Mill Armory are the folks that can help you with that. Pickett's Mill Armory is a veteran-owned and operated rifle company in Georgia, and they're committed to providing you rifles with premium quality, Without the premium price tag, their mission is to build you a rifle that gives you every advantage possible with 100% American-made components. Whether you need a tactical rifle or a hunting rifle, they've got your back. You don't have to settle for just as good anymore because they've solved that problem for you. You no longer have to buy a rifle and then buy parts to swap out. When you purchase your rifles from PMArmory.com, they come out of the box with high-quality barrels, superior triggers, and other options that you can choose. So when you think of Pickett Mill Armory, think of small-batch coffee. They're not going to compromise their standards to turn out thousands of rifles every month like other companies do. Head over to PMArmory.com to find the tools that you need to defend your family right now. That's PMArmory.com. And now, take a listen to our conversation with Charlie Cook of Riding Shotgun with Charlie. Charlie, how you doing, man? It's good to see you this morning. It's great to see you again, Tim. I'm doing fabulous. Thank you. Absolutely. So, um, next week... Uh, the riding shotgun with Charlie episode uh, where you filmed in Farmville, Virginia, and I got to be your guest. Uh, that's when that's going to be released. Is that right? Coming up on the 28th? Yeah. Yes, it's coming out on Tuesday, March 28th. And okay. I, I put out the shows at 8.30 a.m. Uh, Eastern time, and um, I put the show out on YouTube. I make it public. I do all the social media stuff, and then the audio version comes out as a podcast as well for, for people that like to listen to shows rather than watching shows because I know it's a commitment to sit and watch stuff. You know what? We that's why we do the podcast as well, right? Uh and then the fact that I have a face made for radio. Um, we do like to give <laughs> folks an option there. So how long have you been doing riding shotgun with Charlie? And, and what was what made you decide? You know, I want to this is this is the format that I want to do. So this is what it was. I've been involved in Toastmasters for a few years, and I was doing a manual called Communicating on Video. And we had to do a five to seven minute interview uh, as a host, as a guest. We had to do a a three minute editorial. We had to do a press conference. And then we had to make a video on how to um, uh, how to teach people how to give speeches. So I filmed I legit. I filmed all this stuff on my iPhone four. I had I used my daughter's iPod. iPod is that what like an old iPod? Like okay. this was this was years ago. So um, I put up two cameras and I tried putting the two videos together, and I thought this was pretty cool. Um, of course, I would watch carpool karaoke with James Corden, and I'm like, he gets to hang out with all these rock stars, and this is this is really cool. And I I'd been a gun instructor for a while, and and I'm like, you know what, I'm gonna 
uh, James Corden is is chubby and he's English and I'm chubby and I speak English and I'm like I'm gonna do a show that he does and I'm gonna interview people in the gun community and I'm gonna call it Writing Shotgun and Writing Shotgun was taken and my mentor is like you gotta include your name and stuff so I'm like I'm going with Writing Shotgun with Charlie and and I started filming shows uh, in 2016. Wow, how many are you up to now? Uh, you're episode 168. Okay, I knew it was a lot because as I'm as I'm going through and I'm uh, Charlie was nice enough to uh, uh, show me a little preview, um, and so I'm seeing these images pop up as I'm making you know references and I'm talking about two a people. Charlie's just throwing up. Oh yeah, you can find that episode. Oh yeah, look at this is what we talked <laughs> to Tony Simon. Oh yeah, this is what we talked to Diana Muller. You have spoken to so many Second Amendment advocates, and again, I'm honored that uh, that, that you spend some time with me. Um, is there anybody out there that you have not had a chance to get in your car? Oh, my gosh. There's a ton of people. Are you kidding me? Um, I would love to have Jerry Mitchell in the car. Um, that would be really cool to to find out as uh, as a guy that's been a musician for a long time to find out how much he practices and how much time he works on on all the stuff that he does. Um, I would this is completely ridiculous and completely crazy, but one of the people before I knew more people in the gun community, one of the people I would love to have on the show is Ted Nugent. Like, how cool would that be to get Uncle Ted in the car? And actually, I used to tell people, I'm like, I'm not going to do a, an episode with Ted in the car. We're going to fly in helicopters and shoot hogs with M16s. So how's that for an episode? <laughs> and now, are, are you going to are you if you, get, if you stuck with that riding shotgun format, though, you'd have to learn how to pilot a helicopter. Oh, a man's got to do what a man's got to do, you know. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's, there's worse things I could do. So, so, Charlie, I mean, how do you do this? Because again, 168 episodes. Are are you able to go out and about to places? Uh, because you're based in Massachusetts, right? So, so when you get an event like Gun Rights Policy Conference or Shot Show or or NRAs coming up in Indi uh, Indianapolis. Do you try to make a point to to go to those locations where you've got a bunch of two A advocates together, and then you can try to you know okay I'm gonna I'm gonna go drive around for eight hours and try to do eight episodes? Uh, is that sort of the format? It it kind of is. Um, what I do is I um, I had an opportunity since 2016 to to speak at the Gun Rights Policy Conference, so that was the first time I went and I got to meet all these these people uh, in the gun community and people I've seen online and read their books and watch their videos and stuff. And I was able to make connections with them. And I would, I honestly, when I started this, I had no idea how I was going to connect with these people being in new England, having a day job, having, you know, kids that sort of needed you home for a while. So any place, uh, any place I would go, like when I would go to GRPC, I would film somewhere between four or five, maybe six shows. And then the next time I would go to an event, I would film a couple of shows and I would, I would go to shot show and I would film three shows and shot show. And I would, I would beg, borrow and steal someone's car to, uh, to film a show. And it's just been that way. And, and honestly, 2021 was really cool. I had, I think I had four shows that I need to edit. Um, I went down to a Florida carry event and I filmed five shows in a weekend. And then I had, was headed out to Seattle to film a show with Alan Gottlieb and Dave Workman. And um, I filmed five shows in Seattle, like two days later. Uh, so legit, it was a week. Uh, it was one week, 10 shows in on two different coasts. And I was like, I have 14 episodes that I need to edit. And I only put out two shows a month 
or I've got three and a half months worth of material if I do a show every week. <laughs> so I just sat down and cranked it out and cranked it out. And while I was putting those 14 shows out, I was still going to uh, going to events down in New Jersey and filming shows and and uh, trying to get some local people. In. And I went out to um, uh, to do some training with Masada Yub in Sioux Falls with uh, some of the folks from the Blight Society podcast. And I filmed a half a dozen shows when I went out for that. And then two weeks later, I went and did the Faster Saves Lives in Ohio, and I filmed two shows while I was out there. So every place I go someplace, it doesn't matter what it is. I, I filmed a show with Hickok 45 um, in Nashville, Tennessee. And I, I, the reason I was able to film a show with Hickok is not just because I asked, but my daughter wanted to visit visit a college in Nashville. So I'm like, let's do it. And while I'm down there, I got to find somebody. And I reached out to Hickok and he's like, yeah, sure. That's awesome. Well, you know, and, and listen, the great thing is, um, we, you know, we have so many Second Amendment advocates out there around the country, right? That you, anywhere you go, um, you can find somebody that I'm sure you've been wanting to talk it's, to. <laughs> yeah, right? oh, absolutely. Absolutely. There. Um, this was... Uh, Probably I'm going to use air quotes when I say the worst, but I had to uh, I had to do some family stuff uh, back in Illinois in 2020. And I called up Rhonda Azell and I'm like, hey, I'm going to be in Chicago Thursday morning at eight o'clock. Who can I talk to? And she's like, you need to talk to Daniel Easterday. So I got off an airplane at eight o'clock in Chicago. I met him at a Starbucks at nine o'clock. We we had a coffee. We filmed a show. And then I had to go down and do family stuff an hour south of Chicago. So um, when I say I was uh, like. Anytime I would go someplace, I would film a show. It doesn't matter who it is or where it is. I got to get a show in. I love it. I mean, and clearly you do too, because this has got to be a labor of love. I mean, you know, not only oh. not only taping this show, but then, you know, the behind the scenes stuff, editing and put it together. I mean, this isn't easy or, or simple to do. If if I, I I think if I knew how much work it was, I would have been like, maybe I should just stick to podcasting. <laughs> you know, I mean, I've I've got three cameras in the car. I've got one on the hood of a car that I often use. Um, the hardest thing for me was to learn how to synchronize the video. And then after I got the video synced, it's just sitting there and watching the show and going from camera one to camera two to camera three. And and it's it's it was all stuff I had to learn how to do. And. I, I absolutely love it, man. I love putting out the show. I love going to events and having people on the show. I love connecting with people like you. And and yeah, it's great, man. Well, I, I'm, listen, I'm not going to uh, give away everything that we talked about. But um, but one of the things that that I did say when we were talking is that it really is the people that has kept me so involved in this issue uh, over the years and why I want to stay in the two-way world it's not necessarily because of the guns itself right um the right to keep and bear arms obviously is important but when you start talking to people about why the second amendment is so important to them you know you learn some really incredible stories i think everybody has a pretty amazing story to tell when it comes to why they are a gun owner um and that's one of the things that i love about what you do is that your conversations don't necessarily revolve around um policy or you know what particular gun law is coming down the pike you you're 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 interested in exploring the personalities uh and the the actual human beings who are in this fight to defend our freedoms yeah everyone has a different story about why they became a gun owner and why they got into it and why they started to do what they do whether it's um somebody's been an instructor or um somebody somebody was robbed at gunpoint and and became a gun owner so they could protect themselves um everyone's got some sort of a story and 
I want to I want to have some sort of connection with these people and getting someone in the car is different from than doing a Zoom interview or a phone interview like you're two people in a car and and I uh at one point my son uh my son seemed like he would open up to me a little bit when we were more in the car because we don't have to look at each other when we talked and so I was like this this might be something here you know and that's uh, that's kind of what it is and I think people uh, I've had people say, so what camera do I look at? I'm like, I don't know, whatever one you want to look at. Like, I got to watch traffic. So you do what you need to do. Like, <laughs> I got to make sure we're not getting into an accident. Right. Um, and it's two people in a car. And I think people are, uh, people will, um, it's it's a little bit more intimate than, than, than talking to someone over the phone. Well, I will say that you got an exclusive out of me, something I had never talked about before. Um, and, and I, and I, and I, you know, I'm not sure how much I looked at you as I was telling the story now that I think about it. So you might be onto something, Charlie, uh, with, <laughs> you know, uh, and I'm not going to, I'm not going to give this away, but I will, I will, I will leave it at this. Uh, Charlie got an exclusive about, uh, the very first time that I touched a firearm. Okay. I've never told this story, uh, until I told it to do it, not in public until I told it to Charlie and you get a chance to check that out uh, next week. Um, all right, so I got to ask you as well. You mentioned you live in Massachusetts. You're up in New England. You are a firearms instructor. What is going on in the state of Massachusetts? I know, I know, we just said you know <laughs> we you don't you don't normally talk a lot about policies uh, on on your program, but I talk a lot about policies on mine. Yeah. Um, and so, what's going on here with the 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 post Bruin environment in Massachusetts? So our, I call her, uh, I used to call Maura Healy our AGAG, our anti-gun attorney general, and she's now our AGG, our anti-gun governor. And the good news is it seems like since she's become a governor, she's worried less about uh, firearms, which which I think is pretty good. But before then, she was she was a real tyrant with things, with all the stuff she did in 2016, where anything that looked like an AR was an AR, and people came out with fixed magazine ARs that only held 10 rounds. It's, uh, it's, it's ridiculous. But, but when, uh, after Bruin, she came out and she said, we have, um, we have prohibited people and suitable people. And Prohibited people are people who can't legally own firearms, but a suitable person could be somebody, I, I always tell folks in class, uh, a suitable person could be somebody that, that uh, you know, stays up late, listening to heavy metal, uh, and, and they're drinking in the yard until three o'clock in the morning. You might not be suitable to own a firearm, but that doesn't prohibit you. And she, she wanted to muddy those waters up, so it's not clear which one's which. Since then, since she was elected governor, um, we've seen a whole bunch of bad bills introduced. Uh, I, I covered one of Barron Arms a couple of days ago. Uh, I don't know if it's going to go anywhere, but it would require a uh, either a uh, firearms ID card or a license to carry in order to enter a gun show uh, in the state of Massachusetts, right? Wow. So you've got all of these crazy ideas that are coming down the, uh, the Mass Pike, I guess. Um, <laughs> and, and lawmakers are out there on this listening tour, right? They, they say, okay, well, we're going to listen to what the people have to say. Have you had a chance to uh, to participate in I, any of the listening tour stops? I went to a listening tour stop two nights ago at Worcester State University, and some of the uh, some of the the staff from the Gun Owners Action League was there, and some of the DC Project gals were there, and there were a few other gun owners. There was also a you know ten of the red shirts there, and the the panel that they had uh, the the topic was uh, guns and domestic violence, and the people that were on the panel 
were all anti-gun folks. They, they're like, we we need to get the guns out of these the hands of these people. There was one woman on the panel that that works with women, um, which is which is all good stuff. I'm not I'm not saying these women don't need help, but she said that she uh, had an intimate partner who was um, was an, a prohibited person who had a firearm illegally, and I'm thinking to myself. Oh, so you want, we already have laws that say he's a prohibited person and that he can't get a gun, but he got a gun illegally and he's someone who can't have one. And, and you're still concerned about me being able to get a gun. And I ended up, uh, I got to be one of the, the, the speakers. I was the last speaker for the evening. And I got up and said, listen, you know what, here's the deal. If you really want to have a, a listening tour, uh, and, and it's going to be, I'm calling it guns and guns and mental health gun. That was the first one guns and domestic violence. That was this one. The next one they said is going to be guns and ghost guns. So I'm like, I, I mentioned this. I said, if you're going to have a panel that focuses partly on guns, you should probably get somebody that's, um, somebody that's on the gun side instead of everyone that's on the non-gun side and i said if we're really thinking about how we can empower women and save them um, from their the bad situations that they're in and in, in uh, being a domestic violence survivor i said why don't we why don't we offer them free training why don't we offer them licenses for free and why don't we fast track their licenses so that they can get a firearm and they can protect themselves and uh you know, I just kind of dropped the mic after that. I'm like, this is, this is ridiculous stuff. And I, I actually, um, I sent an email last night to the person that ran it. And I said, Hey, you, you, there are plenty of pro gun groups and plenty of pro gun folks and instructors that would probably be willing to sit up there and be on the panel, but you don't ask them to participate. So it's a, it's a one-sided conversation about guns and fill in the blank. Yeah. Who's supposed to be listening to whom? I guess at this point, right? Uh, right. Are, are we supposed to be listening to that panel of anti-gun uh, anti-gunners up there on stage, or are they supposed to be listening to us? Yeah, totally, totally. One of the nice things is uh, our the DC Project Rep uh, Carrie Ann O'Claire from Massachusetts. She mentioned to. Uh, she got up and spoke, and she said that she works with a lot of women that are DV survivors, and taking them to the range empowers them. And she said them having a firearm, you know, a 110 pound woman against a 230 pound man is the great equalizer. And she did go up and, and she told me that one of the ladies came up to her afterwards and she said she never realized that a gun could be an equalizer for a small petite woman against a big man. Never really. And I, you know, that's, that's amazing. Like that is such a, I won't say it's a talking point for for gun owners, but that is such a a common thing that we that we discuss, right? I mean, I don't know how many times I've heard a DC project member uh, say something like that. So the fact that that never even crosses their mind, um, you know, I, I don't know that anything beneficial is going to come out of these listening stops <laughs> legislatively, as far as gun owners are concerned. But if nothing else, I guess maybe it is good that well, it's certainly good that folks like you. Uh, and DC project members and goal members that gun owners are out there uh, and they are showing up at these events and they are trying to talk to these panelists, whether or not they're, they're actually listening, I suppose is a, uh, another topic altogether. Sure. Do you, Charlie, do you ever, do you ever wonder, or do you ever think like, okay, if this law passes in Massachusetts, I'm out of here. Um, Cause you know, I was actually born in <laughs> Massachusetts. I didn't, I, yeah. I didn't grow up there. I grew up in Oklahoma, but I was born in Massachusetts and I would love to theoretically be able to say, okay, one day I'm going to go back, right? There's, there's so much I love about the state of Massachusetts, but having lived in pro-gun states my entire life as a gun owner, I don't think I could ever do it. 
So it's, it's, do you ever get to that point of like, man, I'm moving to Texas. I'm moving to Tennessee. I got to get out of here. Um, We're in New Hampshire. I got to go right across the border <laughs> to New Hampshire. You don't have to go to Texas. You got plenty of constitutional <laughs> right. carry states right near you. It says live free or die right when you cross the border. <laughs> Um, I'm going to say New Hampshire is going to be too cold. Like I, <laughs> I, I'm a, I, I never, I, I, it was last winter cam when I said, you know what, this cold, this is baloney, man. This is a bunch of bunk. I am tired of this. Um, I would, uh, I would love to move South. My, my daughter goes to college in Nashville and I would love to move to, uh, to central Tennessee. Um, and I knew that she wanted to go to college in Nashville and I knew she was, you know, I knew when she was graduating high school, I don't know why I didn't get my, um, get my act together so I can get out a little bit earlier. Um, all this stuff is nuts. I, I go to gun stores when I'm traveling around doing shows and I, I go into gun stores and I say, Hey, um, I'm, I'm, I'm from Massachusetts. And every single one of them says, welcome to free America. And I say, I'm trying to find some pre 94 high cap magazines. And every one of them says, yeah, those are junk. We get rid of them. And I'm like, they're gold where I live. Like gun stores sell them for 125 bucks um, because it's a 20, 29 year old magazine now that uh, that if we want, you know, our our licenses say it's a license to carry a large capacity rifle, shotguns and and firearms, Uh, firearms in Massachusetts are handguns. But um, it's a license to have a large capacity one, but only if it's, you know, a high capacity magazine that's 28 years old which is ridiculous. So when, uh, when people, when I talk to people that uh, do classes up in New Hampshire and they're like, can we come down there with our high cap magazines? I'm like, yeah, if you want to get in trouble, absolutely. I mean, the, the, yeah, the gun laws in Massachusetts are so crazy. Jim Wallace as uh, the gun owners action league is, you know, relayed uh, countless uh, incidents over the years that I've known him that have just made me, I mean, they've either, you know, my eyes have gotten stuck rolling back in the back of my head, my jaws on the ground. Um, I think it was one case. I remember, I think it was a, I think it was a teacher who discovered a round of ammunition, uh, at a school. And if the teacher had apparently picked up that round of ammunition, they would have been committed a crime, right? Because illegal possession of ammunition doesn't matter if it, you know, well, we don't want the kids to have it. Yeah, yeah, but under the law, you can't pick it up. I mean, all of these, you know, and you look at all of these laws, Charlie, and then you look at, you know, crime in Springfield, crime in uh, parts of Boston, Dorchester. You know, listen, it's like every other state out there. The people who are perpetrating these violent crimes, they don't care what the gun laws are, right? Oh, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Why would they? Why? I mean, why would they? And they're all they're doing, all the gun laws do, and we all know this, and we all say it a hundred million times. Uh, all the gun laws do is restrict the law abiding. Yep. That, that's it. I mean, there was uh, there was actually a story I saw on the Mass State Police Facebook page today about a 20 year old guy from, I'm going to say from Arkansas, that was uh, brought some dogs up here to sell some dogs, and he had. I think it said he had four handguns and maybe an AR pistol and high cap magazines. And um, they caught him with this and, and he's, he's sunk, man. He's sunk. That's absolutely terrifying. And again, what other right stops at the state line? Like, like the second amendment these days, you know, right. your, your, your second amendment rights in, in Arkansas uh, disappear as soon as you, uh, you know, leave the borders. Right. And there's no other constitutional protected right. Uh, that we treat this way. So clearly we have a lot of work to do. Um, and there is always room for a more Second Amendment activist, both inside and outside of Charlie's car, by the way. He has a very spacious vehicle, <laughs> but 
Uh, we, we do need more activists. And are you seeing that, Charlie? Or is 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 there in Massachusetts post Bruin? Um, is there a renewed desire to uh, to, to to protect the right to keep environments? Are you seeing some new faces show up at these events? Uh, absolutely. I've uh, over the last I've seen an uptick in. Uh, in the last month of people taking classes, and honestly, most of the people that have been taking classes have have been women. And when you tell them, hey, you can't do this, and hey, you can't buy this, you can't buy a new Glock, um, they're like, well, what do you mean I can't buy a new Glock? Well, you can buy a used one, and you could buy the frame, and then have somebody ship the barrel and the slide to you. And they're like, well, this is ridiculous. And my, my line is always, welcome to the Commonwealth. Yeah. Well, listen, I hope you have the chance to uh, escape the Commonwealth, even temporarily uh, before long. Are you going to make it to uh, Indianapolis this year? I am. I'm flying in on Thursday and I'm heading out on Monday and um, it's it's going to be an action packed weekend. I'm, I'm got, uh, I've got a friend that's going to let me borrow their car. So I'm going to film some shows and I'm going to keep keep getting the stagecoach across America. Fantastic. Well, I was going to say, I am I'm planning on being there. It's probably going to be like a last minute decision based on how my wife's doing. Uh, so I will be driving. Indianapolis. So if your buddy, uh, you know, if the car, if the car situation, if you need another car, what I'm saying is let me know. We got you covered. All right. Awesome. Thank you so much. Hey, Charlie, listen, thank you, man. Thank you for everything you do. Thanks for hanging out with me today. Thanks for letting me hang out with you uh, not long ago. And then uh, March 28th, again, riding shotgun with Charlie featuring uh, yours truly will be up online available where your finest podcasts are available. And uh, Charlie, let's get you back on here again before long, man. I'd be honored, Cam. Thank you so much. You bet. I'll see you in a couple of weeks, hopefully. I appreciate Charlie hanging out on the program with us today, and I really do appreciate him uh, driving through the Farmville area and letting me get a chance to hang out with him not long ago. And uh, yeah, when you get a chance, check out that conversation, including the uh, very first time I handled a firearm. Briefly. Yeah, and incidentally. All right, now let's turn our attention to today's Armed citizen story, our good deed of the day, and our recidivist report. We'll start there with a case out of Texas where a man accused of dowsing his wife in gasoline, yeah, um, facing more serious charges. Turns out he was already out on probation for another alleged attack on his wife when this took place. This is Galveston, Texas. Uh, Gino Jet Weedman Sosa went before a judge uh, last week who granted a motion to revoke his three-year probation for a previous conviction for abusing his wife. It was back in February, about a month ago. Uh, February 23rd, Robinson agreed to a plea bargain and got a three-year probated sentence after he pled guilty to choking his wife, Felicity Varney, on December 29th. Part of that deal included a no-contact order, so he wasn't allowed to contact his wife or her five-year-old son. And it didn't take long before he reportedly violated that deal. He allegedly messaged a woman on Facebook, and then on March 18th at a hotel on her birthday, the two argued after leaving a bar together. From there, he allegedly poured gasoline on her and soaked everything that she owned, as well as her person. Uh, Varney said he hit me and hit and somehow got off my clothes. She said, I can't remember. He poured gasoline all over my face, all the way down, and everything burned. My eyes burned, couldn't open my eyes. Uh, Varney said that she had tried divorcing her husband last year, but uh, never got the paperwork needed. Uh, and now she has another warning. She says, don't go back. Don't go back because they're not going to stop. They're going to keep doing and keep doing this. Well, yeah, unfortunately, that's also going to happen if the criminal justice system delivers slaps on the wrist. Um, in this particular case, the second uh, incident in about a month uh, led to more serious charges. But 
three years probation for allegedly beating his wife. And it sounds like, uh, again, according to authorities, that probation did not stick. Today's armed citizen story from uh, Joe Biden's hometown of Scranton. You think Scranton Joe is going to talk about this at all? I doubt it, too. Uh, This was Monday evening, a a shooting in Scranton where uh, three people were shot. Um, Ultimately, uh, one of those individuals, turns out, was the uh, initial aggressor. A uh, 21-year-old woman told officers that she and her mother had been shot by her ex-boyfriend, 23-year-old Kevin Kruk. Once investigators arrived at the scene, they say they found William Morgan, who was uh, the mom's fiance, on the front porch, covered in blood, holding a handgun. He told officers that he had shot Kruk in self-defense. Through further investigation, according to uh, PennsylvaniaHomepage.com, it was discovered that Kruk went to the house in an attempt to try to get back together with his ex-girlfriend. Police say the conversation between Kruk, his ex, and the ex's mom ended up with Kruk firing a pistol, hitting both women. That's when William Morgan allegedly chased Kruk. The two exchanged gunfire. And in the end, authorities say Kruk was fatally shot by Morgan, pronounced dead of the scene. Kruk's death uh, ruled a homicide, but uh, after reviewing the incident, the DA's office says that the use of deadly force was justified and uh, no charges will be filed in this incident. It looks like the uh, two women are going to be okay, uh, unlike, again, the uh, ex-boyfriend who uh, tried to get his girlfriend back at gunpoint. Glad that the uh, armed citizen was there to uh, put an end to that encounter and uh, save uh, these two individuals. Finally today, speaking of saving lives, how about this? In the right place, at the right time, will I be able to do the right thing? A uh, Xavier professor who saved the life of a uh, man on an airplane who was suffering a cardiac condition. Yeah, you know, you always see those moments in movies, right? Is there a doctor on board? Is there a doctor around? Well, as it turns out, this time, yes. There actually was. Uh, Dr. Edmund Hooker was on a a flight to West Palm Beach back on March the 5th. Typical flight, right? Uh, But the uh, uh, emergency physician and uh, Xavier professor started hearing some uh, calls for help coming from behind him. A man was having a heart attack. So uh, Dr. Hooker said he rushed back, saw the victim was um, turning blue because of a lack of oxygen in the blood. Uh, He said, in this situation, there's no time to think. You just have to act. So that's exactly what he did. He uh, dragged the man who did not have a pulse at that point uh, onto the floor, worked with another physician who was on board the uh, aircraft to give hands-only CPR. Uh, And as they prepared to apply a defibrillator, the man actually got his pulse back, began to breathe on his own. uh, And by the time uh, pilots performed an emergency landing in Jacksonville, he was awake and talking when he arrived at the gate. Uh, I mean, honestly, uh, you could not have asked for a uh, better outcome. Uh, Hooker said that he received an email from the man. Uh, he requested anonymity, expressing his thanks and uh, letting Hooker know that he's now doing well. So, again, a quick thinking, fast response and a life saving move by uh, Dr. Edmund Hooker. Uh, even on an aircraft, you know, when when you know how to save a life, you, I guess you're always on duty. And that was certainly the case there for uh, Dr. Edmund Hooker. We thank him for his very good deed. I'm sure our thanks don't mean nearly as much as the uh, thanks from the man whose life he saved. All right, that is going to do it for this edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. I want to thank you for being a part of today's program, and I'm looking forward to being back with you again tomorrow. Not quite sure what we're going to be discussing. Uh, There is the potential for a couple of uh, court decisions coming out of Judge Roger Benitez's courtroom uh, today, maybe tomorrow. Imminently, it sounds like. 
And I think this is going to be good news for gun owners. So hopefully we'll have some uh, good news to talk about on tomorrow's program. But either way, we're going to be talking about uh, something big and important when it comes to your right to keep and bear arms. And, of course, I'd always encourage you to check out BarionArms.com throughout the day as well. Constantly updating the website with the latest 2A news and information. If you like what you see, I'd also encourage you to become a VIP member. All you have to do, go to BarionArms.com slash subscribe. Use the promo code GUNRIGHTS. And you can get a significant savings on your VIP membership. And as our way of saying thanks, we're going to give you exclusive content you won't find anywhere else. Because your support matters. And it does make a difference. So thank you again. We'll see you tomorrow. Until then, be well, be safe, and be free.